Ladies and gentlemen, this is Book Music. I am Tosh. And I'm Kimley. And Kimley, we have a very special show today. I know, I'm very excited. I fainted early this morning thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, I've got heart palpitations as well. <laughs> today, we have Tony Normand and Dave Brolin from Real Art Press. Welcome, gentlemen. Welcome. Thank Hello. you for having us. They came from England. And we agreed to fly them over <laughs> with our extensive budget. <laughs> and you're sending us back. Yes. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, I'm like a little problem there. <laughs> but um, Real Art Press has been in existence for about is it 10 years now? It's our 10th anniversary. And you have done a lot in 10 years. Suffered a lot, yes. <laughs> you must suffer for your art. No, we, yeah. For instance, I have a press called Tamtam Books. I've only did like three books in 10 years. <laughs> but he's done, how many books have you done yeah, yeah, so far? Books? Do you know offhand? Over 30. Over wow. 30. Oh, well over 30. That makes me breathless just thinking about it. Uh, Real Art Press <laughs> is basically <laughs> an image-driven press, all, mostly photographs, mm -hmm. focusing on pop culture, yes. mostly, yes. With, uh, with some side uh, 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 books on uh, photojournalism. Yes. Is that fair enough? Yeah. Anything to do with popular culture yes. that appeals to us, mm -hmm. we do. And well, especially film and music. Especially film and music. Yeah. And one of the things that... Um, the first book we ever did was a book called Bill Gold Poster Works. And it was on a guy who was 90 years old at the time. He called me up when I was a poster dealer. And he said, my name is Bill Gold. Um, I'm a movie poster designer and I've just retired and I wanted to know if you'd do a book on my career because I'd done a lot of books on movie posters. Mm. Oh, nice. I said, you're the guy who did the poster for Unforgiven and Dog Day Afternoon. He said, yeah, you know my work? Oh, nice. <laughs> I said, not really, because American art directors never signed their work. So it was right. always, you know, you had to do detective work to find out who did what, who was yeah. the illustrator on what. And then he goes, the first poster I ever designed was Casablanca. And then I did Streetcar Named Desire. Oh. And I did Barbarella. I did Bullet. I did every single Clint Eastwood film from Dirty Harry onwards. Oh, I did wow. this. I did that. And I said, really? I said, where are you? He said, I'm in Connecticut. I said, can I come? <laughs> he said, yes. Yeah. So four days later, I took a flight over to Connecticut. I went to his home. And for me, it was the holy grail, you know. Yeah. He had filing cabinet after filing cabinet. I would open the first one out, and there was a folder in there that had 20 designs that I'd never seen for Woodstock. Wow. And I was saying, what are these, Bill? He goes, oh, these are rejected designs you know yeah. I didn't think anybody would be interested in seeing them I said if I stay here I said if I do this book I want to go through everything <laughs> I spent two and a half weeks three weeks going through his filing cabinets and selecting material and then I ended up with something like 1300 slides oh, that wow. needed scanning they needed cleaning and then I realized that none of the publishers I work with would ever even pay to restore this stuff so I raised money and I set up Real Art Press to publish that book. Oh wow, that's amazing! <laughs> that makes so that's much fantastic. That makes perfect sense to me. And yeah. we didn't have any distribution. We didn't have any. But I just thought everyone knew me because I was a big yeah. poster dealer, and I found the mother load. Uh -huh. But I was wrong. <laughs> but one—that's how I met Tosh. 
there was articles about him in the newspaper and he called and said, I'd like to stock this book. He was yeah. a book suit then. Yeah. Looking for obscure uh, books about uh, really obscure. Yeah. <laughs> I was so happy I nearly <laughs> burst into tears. <laughs> I said, who is this guy? Uh, if you've been great. refused by every publisher in the world, come to me. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that, that's our motto. Tell you it's our hobby. Well, the thing I love about your press is, and I mean this in the most... Uh, positive ways. It's a very OCD, uh, <laughs> very niche. It's a uh, very passionate. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, like we don't publish. I published maybe two books that I thought. Let's publish these because they're going to make money. Mm. And both times, I think they were the worst performing yeah, books. Yeah, yeah. You know, there is no way you can guarantee anything being a success. Yeah. No. You know? So. I'd rather do something that we're all proud of. Exactly. That we love. Wanna, At least if yeah. it doesn't do well, you can be proud of it. You yeah. Know, rather than... See, this is the part of the show where it needs to be repeated over and over <laughs> and over again. To say what? To say that you're only, you could only really do work that you're proud of. Yeah. Anything else doesn't really matter. <clears throat> yeah. Also, the other thing is, you know, anything you do, whether it's producing music or books or what, it's just, it's so time consuming. You mm -hmm. really need to focus. And if you don't like what you're doing, yeah, you might as well be doing something that guarantees brings you, brings you money rather yeah. than, you know. But your subject matter is okay. Your subject matter is very pop oriented and very accessible. Yeah. But you really go into, into such deep in depth on that subject matter. <laughs> <laughs> that makes my head spin. If I make your head spin, it makes my head spin. <laughs> I mean, another thing I really liked, which was what I really liked about Bill Gold, and we used to, we still do this. I like publishing things, books on, for example, no one had ever heard of Bill Gold. Mm -hmm. No. But everyone knows what the bullet poster looks like. Yeah. Everyone knows Casablanca. Everyone. So it's like showing who is behind these things yes. is what I really yeah, like. You yeah. know, like we published a book on Dennis Stock, uh -huh. the Magnum photographer. Obviously, he's well known, but his photograph of James Dean walking down Times Square is so iconic. Yeah. But a lot of people don't know the name attached to that photographer. Right, right. And I like that, you know. Yeah, that's another thing that I really love about your press is that you do focus on the behind the scenes people. You're very interested in the individual photographers and the graphic designers. Mm. And I read through the entire uh, French New Wave book the other day. And it was such a treat to read all those stories of those graphic designers, you know, mm -hmm. and they all had such interesting stories and in, in reading about the graphic design in all these different countries that, you know, mm -hmm. the tradition in all these different countries, it was so fascinating. Also, we're a very small team, but we're all, it's like our family, you know, yeah. there's Dave, there's Alison, who's been with me for 18 years, I think. Nice. She was with me at the gallery. It was the first job she had outside university, so she doesn't know any better. And I keep, <laughs> and I keep my mouth shut. She had no, them while they're young. She has, <laughs> she has no other life. Yeah. <laughs> no, but she, she, she runs everything. Oh. I mean, without her, we wouldn't be able to do anything. Yeah. So, so besides the film-orientated books and film posters and the graphic side, you also do a great series of music books or music-related books. Dave is responsible for. So there's a Led Zeppelin book. Uh, there is, yeah. Ronnie Scott's 1959 to 69, mm -hmm. Johnny Cash up Folsom and San Quentin. Upcoming Marilyn Manson book by Peru, 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 Peru. who's a photographer who mm -hmm. 
did a great focus on Marilyn Manson. Uh, my Ro- my Ramones, not the Ramones. Yeah, I love that. My that Ramones by, by the Danny legendary Fields. Danny Fields. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he gave me a book on the zombies, the, yeah. an Odyssey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's really neat. It's such an eclectic <laughs> selection. How do you choose who you're going to do books well, on? A lot of the time, you know, I've been working with music photographers for a long time for other publishers or for record companies um, when they're doing a deluxe box set and they want pictures from you know the forum in 1971 it has to be that show or specific so that was my sort of specialty was knowing who had those pictures and how to get them and how to deal with them all pre-digital so it was going to photographers boxes of slides or negatives and finding stuff and um and so you know there's there's a lot of photographers want to do books but there's not many that should right and, um, <laughs> and um i have and, seen i've seen music i've seen books by music photographers that are sometimes are not really good at all well you know there's a great quote from danny fields which i use regularly now and he said if anyone's gonna look at your pictures get an editor yeah <laughs> and the problem with a lot of photographers in general is they're too wrapped up in it to, yeah they're too close to it. yeah and, yes. and also you know um you'll see if you look through if you ask a photographer hey can you send me your pictures of bob dylan right they'll send you what they think is their best one right or the one that was printed at the time because it suited right. the brief and then there'll be all these unseen pictures that over time take on a different meaning or have, mm. you know there's the guy in the background went on to become the bass player in this band or the manager of this or and so there's a lot of stuff that you can find by just going back and, and really sort of digging through looking at everything mm. you know and also with a fresh pair of eyes yeah. right and you know it's still we have to pick great pictures not just right in mm-hmm. uh, not just interesting ones and so um you know, as, as far as sort of choosing what we do, um, we have to look and see, is there a dozen other books out there that might be similar mm. or right. have already taken the, the thunder? Uh, with, with the zombies, mm. that was just a, um, that was a, a book we did with uh, BMG, who were mm. working with the zombies, and mm. they had this idea for some time, had been putting it together, but didn't really know how to put it together yeah how to put it together and I think we had by the time they came to us there was we had three months to get it out three months to to start from start to look because they were going on tour for the anniversary Uh and so I think Tony but that said they had all the uh, they found all the stills but they had all the text already done Mm. the drawings they Mm. wanted included Mm. was done we had Mm. somebody from BMG who was helping us so it Mm. wasn't like yeah, it, we, you know, we had some material. So you had, a, you had great yeah. support but from I think the company. With yeah, a lot of these nice. books and with uh, Zeppelin, for example, you know, having worked on various projects over mm-hmm. the years or with all these photographers, when we got the green light to do that book, mm-hmm. it was just a question of gathering it all up. We, it wasn't trying to find who took this picture right. and who did that. We knew, we knew everyone. And between us, we've, we have a sort of network of photographers or people who can point us in the right direction mm-hmm. and 
I mean, over the years, you know, you'd meet one photographer and he'd say, hey, you should go and see right. my friend, you know, he's got some pictures too. And then, you know. Also, I love the detective work that just comes about, you know, like mm-hmm. Dave was doing the Led Zeppelin book. Obviously, we're in the same office, so I would see what was going on. And he was calling somebody called Richard Upper. Mm-hmm. I suddenly thought, Richard Upper, Richard Upper, I know that guy. And then I remembered one of the posters I used to have for Killing of a Chinese Bookie was by a photographer called Richard Upper. <laughs> so I got really excited. I said, call him up and see if he was the photographer on Killing of a Chinese Bookie. And was he? Oh, that's fabulous. And, uh, you, you know, and it's really interesting because you'll talk to a photographer and uh, like I was looking at some stuff yesterday at, at the Warner Archive and they had one um, contact sheet and it was Delaney and Bonnie. Mm-hmm. And Led Zeppelin, two shows, but the photographer just used one roll oh, of film. So both of them, yeah. But they were Walter Yost, who was, uh-huh. you know, he's got the famous boxing pictures, wow. sports photographer. Uh-huh. You know, but back then he was working for the label. Right. And so you find, and a lot of the time photographers weren't credited. Mm-hmm. And so just tracking them down and seeing what they've got. Mm. You know, I'd, I'd usually go to a photographer about one particular picture or subject mm-hmm. and then you know, say, what else you got? And then they open, you know, a trunk and there's... Mm, something they're not... Treasure they had, trunk. And something yeah. they had no concern of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they're like, oh, you won't be, you know... That's like, how I met you, actually. It was a... You know, I used to be a poster consultant for Christie's for uh-huh. 12 years, a long time ago. <clears throat> and one of the girls who used to work in the department, she was a junior, she went ahead and, you know, she became the head of rock and pop memorabilia at Bonhams, which is another auction mm-hmm. house. And, you know, we were always friendly, so she invited me to one of the openings, and she came up to me and she goes, there's this guy called Dave, and he has these photographs of Steve McQueen, and mm. apparently no one has ever seen them before, and he's mm. looking for a publisher, and I thought, I've heard this before, you know, people <laughs> come to me. And, yeah. and then two days later, he rang, and I went, he was doing a show. What, what show were you doing? Thor- Storm. Was it yeah, Storm Thorgerson? Storm oh, uh-huh. the, the design, the graphic yeah. designer, yeah. Yeah. album covers. covers. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I went to see him, and he opened up his laptop, and he started showing me these photos of Steve McQueen, and I really hadn't seen them before, uh-huh. which is very unusual. Yeah, and they were by Barry Feinstein, who was a really a music was, photographer. Yes, yeah, so now how that came about, I, I, I was working on a Dylan book and seeing all the f- photographers, years and years ago, and, you know, one thing I found if you phone up, particularly. A photographer who's got famous pictures and you ask them for mm-hmm. unseen pictures they just Barry in particular was like, right. you know they don't why get into don't bother that. me what, about this it? you know <laughs> yeah. it's unseen for so I went to see I said I'll, I'll come and so I flew over to Woodstock went to see him and you know I said about doing something a Dylan book and he went oh, I haven't got enough pictures <laughs> and I, I said, "Well, nice. can I have a look?" And he said, "Well, I've only got twenty great pictures." Uh-huh. Mm. I said, "Well, can I, I'm here now." You know? yeah. So he gives me these two ring binders like this, oh, thick, oh, wow. <laughs> full of necks. And I'm like, "I'm like, this is great." And it's mm. like uh. Bob in the back of a limo, mm-hmm. you know, in '66. Mm. And I said, "This is great." He went, "No, nah. it's interesting." <laughs> I go, I know it's great. He goes, no, it's, it's interesting. interesting, and I don't want to publish interesting pictures. Uh-huh. I only want to publish great right. ones. And then, right. and then, you know. So anyway, we we eventually did do a, a book together. And then, the only thing in Barry's studio or in his house that would 
indicate he was a photographer. There was one picture of him and Steve McQueen on the set of Bullet. Mm. <laughs> and um, I think there was a Dylan poster for an exhibition he'd had, but he was very low-key, wouldn't ever tell you anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, and um, after Barry... And it mentioned he knew him, but Barry would only tell you stuff like that if it was connected to something else. If you were talking about bikes, he'd right. say, hey, this one time I had this bike and we were with McQueen and because mm. they used to go out riding together. Right. And mm. so he, uh, so I knew they were friendly, but he never mentioned any work. And then after uh, Barry passed away, um, his wife, Judy, <coughs> called me up and she said, I found all these McQueen pictures and... I think I was over then. There was something like 128 wow. rolls of film that hadn't been oh, wow. printed. Mm. And, you know, I went from those that were great. They were on the set of Bullet and uh, Racetrack and just lots and lots of great stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, but he'd never mentioned that he had all these pictures. Mm. Yeah. And so then I used to sometimes get pictures for Bonhams. If they were selling Keith Moon's drum kit, they wanted a picture of him, uh-huh. or, you know, a jacket that Hendrix wore, mm. or something like that. Mm. And um, and I mentioned it to Catherine that I had all these pictures, and yeah, and then that's how we. So that was the first book. Yeah. Are, are you attracted to the actual the subject matter, the artist McQueen, or the photographer more? I I always was quite fascinated with the photographer's story, you know. So you know, talking to Barry about Bob Dylan mm-hmm. he wasn't telling you anything about Bob Dylan he was just telling you about well you know I didn't have lights I didn't have this mm-hmm. and, right. you know mm-hmm. I'd see an interesting shape I'd what take was a his picture. favorite favorite line when people would say what was Dylan like yeah people would say to him you know what's Bob Dylan like he'd say I don't know buy his book yeah. <laughs> and, or ask Bob and it was like oh, really and, I think you know but also most photographers you know certainly because they have a completely different take on what was going on. So mm. you look at a picture and you're imagining these iconic pictures and you're saying, oh, this must have been happening and that and it's so iconic and this means oh, that. Oh, that great story about him. With There's photos of him mm-hmm. at the last Beatles concert oh. with a movie camera. Yeah. Mm. This, yeah. Is, so this is great. We, we did a few books with um, uh, Jim Marshall, mm-hmm. a photographer, and Jim was, you know, always... Um, saying he was the only photographer backstage mm-hmm. at Candlestick Park. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and he's got the famous picture of them walking out to the... And this is the Beatles' last show. The Beatles' last yeah. show, show ever. ever. Uh-huh. And so I'm at Jim's and I'm looking through all his contact sheets and there's backstage at Candlestick Park and they're all sitting around a table. There's Ralph Gleason, there's Kenny Everett, who was a DJ in the UK who went on to become this sort of Comedian. TV comedian. Yeah, I, I know. His name. But he was he was sent out there by one of the radio stations uh-huh. to interview, and he was from Liverpool. Okay, uh-huh. and um, I must. so he was in the pictures, which no one would have known because uh-huh. right? he didn't look like himself. Uh-huh. I think Joan Byers was there. Everything. So I'm looking through closely, and I see Barry Feinstein. Ah, uh-huh. I'm like, I said, I said, Jim, I thought you were the only photographer there. Uh-huh. And he went, uh-huh. I was. Uh-huh. And I said. Well, here's a picture of Barry. Uh-huh. And he went, oh, yeah. he was and Jim Took. <laughs> Jim Took, he went, yeah, yeah. And he's talking to George Harrison, mm. also, which Barry had never mentioned, you know, yeah. and although he went on to shoot the All Things Must Pass cover oh, for wow. George. Yeah. Okay. But in all the times I'd visited him, he never mentioned, you know, meeting the Beatles earlier yeah, or being yeah. at the last concert. So I said, Barry's in the picture. And he went, oh, yeah, he was there fucking around with a movie camera. <laughs> 
So on this same trip, I was going from San Francisco to see Barry. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I went, Barry, I said, you didn't tell me you filmed the last Beatle concert. Oh, wow. And he said, I didn't. I said, but I just found a picture of you back there, and Jim said you were, had a camera. And he said, yeah, I needed a crowd scene for a movie I was making. Oh, oh, wow. I said, what? He said, yeah, I knew the promoter. He's a friend of mine. He let me in. I shot the crowd. I said, wow. But you, you must have shot the concert. And he said, I didn't need a concert. <laughs> oh, wow. So, and it ended up in um, You Are What You Eat. So oh. Barry directed that. Oh. And there's, there's, a, there's about... I don't know, 15 seconds uh-huh. of the crowd reacting to Tiny Tim. Yeah. But it's the uh, beat in colour, yeah. in colour. Wow. Oh, and so wow. there's, there's blogs online about this lost footage, but I can 100% confirm <laughs> that it's just the crowd. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> but, you know, but so yeah. photographers like that who were very just focused on their work, what they wanted to do, yeah. not anything else, you know, and whoever they were photographing, it was going to be a good picture at the right time. Mm-hmm and like documenting stuff really yeah. yeah and you know over time uh, when pictures took on you know this sort of bigger meaning or myths or mm-hmm. stories I, I just quite like getting to the you know nitty-gritty of what I think, was yeah. going on for a lot of these photographers this is a job situation you know i think right for some it was it was yeah, just, just a job yeah. you know another day but for others you know it's they were really into it and you know whether it was you know they were hired by a band or an artist or a record company or whatever and some had but you know some had particular um you know we did a book with neil preston uh-huh. and he was the sort of t- only tour photographer for led zeppelin mm-hmm. um uh, and he lived yeah um also and, and they lived yeah <laughs> but also for, he, he, yeah <laughs> for also for the who and for queen and yeah. for springsteen and uh-huh. so all these you know and he so he was in a very unique position and we went to we went to his studio in burbank he's got something like 35 three drawer filing cabinets mm. oh, wow. stuffed with necks necks and oh. slides and just a huge huge amount but when you look um through it you know you'll recognize some of the pictures but then when you look at what hasn't been used for one reason or another it might be you know sometimes you take a picture of their equipment lined up backstage Mm -hmm. which at the time no one would be interested but now you go Mm -hmm. you know i mean there's again there's blogs about you know what cables pete townsend uses and you know stuff like that Mm -hmm. so it's a really sort of document of of times gone by that you just one of my favorite um, music photography books that we did is um, by the photographer Michael Zagaris mm-hmm. it's called Total Excess and uh, it was designed and edited by Dagan James Michael he's the photographer the official photographer for the San Francisco 49ers, 49ers. Oh, wow. that's what he's known for you know oh, and the oakland A's. and the oh. oakland A's. so he's been doing that for 40 50 years mm-hmm. he's still doing it and so that's what he's known for but mm-hmm. in the early days he was also he he has great photographs of the san francisco counterculture underground in the 70s mm-hmm. and he used to shoot also music people when they were in town i think he first shot eric clapton and yeah, Janis Joplin, I think, and the Doors in '68. Is that yes. the one with Blue Reed on the cover? Or am I yes, the one with yeah, Blue Reed yeah, on okay. the cover. That's, I really like that book. It's, yeah, yeah. And I really like Michael. He's a real, 
great mm. storyteller, oh, wow. easy to work with. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know why I said that. As <laughs> a photographer, do they have to be sort of partake in the culture of the music world and the whole sort of music environment? So, sometimes. I mean, we did a book with Baron Woolman um, of all his Woodstock pictures, mm-hmm. and he was Rolling Stone magazine's mm-hmm. um, first chief photographer. Now, he made a almost a point of not getting involved mm-hmm. um and you know you, you'll see he's got this one i think it was a, a four-day trip to london for rolling stone and he shot george harrison in the apple building um mick jagger on the set of performance and the who recording tommy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's maybe four rolls of film you know mm. but the harrison pictures he took them almost from the doorway of the room and I said, you know, did you talk to him? Did you go? He goes, I didn't want to bother him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so he just took a few pictures right. and left. And the same at shows, he'd just take a few pictures. not, bo- And he didn't want to get too involved mm-hmm. because it might change how he took a picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But then other photographers would get really involved. Michael said he, the only reason he did it was he wanted to be yeah. part of it. I mean, there's photos uh. he took and he said... He actually explains how he was on LSD, and he remember he doesn't know how he took it, but he right. took it. Oh, yeah. Some of the great photos. Uh-huh. Yeah. Huh. And um, so, yeah, there's, there's a mix. It's different. Uh, and also, you know, the personalities is quite important, mm. particularly with if you're going to be around musicians. I mean, yeah. the most important requirement, I think, is not to be a prick. Yeah, right. yeah. Because they don't need <laughs> it. You know? yeah. And knowing when to take a picture so nowadays there's all these restrictions and problems and mm-hmm. you know and it's not because of a professional photographer who's taken a picture it's usually the bass player's girlfriend has taken a picture of the singer getting changed or mm-hmm. doing coke mm-hmm. and puts it on their facebook page and then it's shared you know <laughs> mm-hmm. and so it's led to this sort of blanket ban on mm. photographers being given access but you know back then you know you see a photographer might be hanging out with a band for a week mm-hmm. and still only take a roll of pictures mm-hmm. because they're just picking the right moment yeah. and not overdoing it and nothing indiscreet and nothing unflattering. The, the whole idea was to present the musicians as mm-hmm. they're not going to, unless you'd been to the concert, you didn't know what they looked like. Right. You didn't have an idea of their style or their uh-huh. image or, yeah. you know, so it was to put, try and put that across. So you want to make them look good. Yeah. And I think at the time, you know, artists understood that. So the photographer was the photographer, mm-hmm. the singer was the singer, the guitar. You know, everyone was respected for what they did and and trusted. And if you were a cool person, you got to hang out. If you weren't, you didn't. Right. <laughs> Interesting. You know, I'm thinking back. You know, to to the uh, the early days of Rolling Stone magazine, and how they had such great images you know, by Baron Woolman mm-hmm. and Jim Marshall. So whoever was the photo editor or who was in charge of that did a fantastic job. But the layouts are also, the very early ones, yeah. the layouts are beautiful. I mean, every page, you know, the fonts they used to play with. And yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, I can't think of any period of time when uh, rock photography came to presence. I mean, there's been rock photography since... Yeah, music started, but in a publication that sort of promoted, in a way, good well, photography or good images. Well, what's um, quite interesting, um, some a lot of our photographers are involved in a, a, a documentary that's being made in the UK at the moment about music photography and where did it start. 
and you know we're sort of using the, the photo of Robert Johnson as mm -hmm. the the first mm -hmm. iconic music photo where that's all yeah. you know about him. Mm -hmm. But really, you know, music photography developed from showbiz photography. You'll find that a lot of the fifties photographers they were they were they weren't music photographers. They'd be at the theatre. They'd be at mm -hmm. you know a book launch or mm -hmm. you know. I love um, most of these music photographers that you also come across. Mm -hmm. They don't like being labeled as music photography mm. or a rock right. photographer. Mm. Uh, my favorite one is Jim Marshall saying, uh, I'm not a rock photographer. Ansel Adams was a rock photographer. You know, it developed <laughs> as, you know, the, you know, as pop took off and yeah. more magazines and newspapers wanted pictures, uh -huh. yeah. then you know, a lot of the older photographers who were the sort of showbiz photographers were passing work on to their assistants. Mm -hmm. you know, there, there was a, f a famous photographer in the UK called Deso Hoffman, and he took, funny enough, those Beatle pictures of the oh, colourless. Yeah. So all of those pictures, the first two and a half years, uh -huh. of, he was their photographer. But he was hired to do all sorts of things, but he'd give them to an assistant to do right because he didn't want to be going to these mm. concerts or uh -huh. you know and um Little but it still had his stamp on the picture right because ah. his studio got the got the gig but then it's more a, i think it was more of a lifestyle thing really where photographers were going to um see bands mm -hmm. or kids were going to see bands and taking their cameras right. and you know seeing it as a way in and also back then in the 60s and 70s if you turned up with a camera, no one stopped you. If right. you wanted to go backstage, yeah. you know, no one stopped yeah, you. Yeah. And uh, I remember one of the things Jim Marshall told me when he said one of his first pictures was of Miles Davis mm. at a jazz club in Berkeley, 1959. It was in colour. And it's a real close-up. Miles's trumpet is green. Mm -hmm. It's a, a green finish on it. I was like, oh, that's cool. He goes, yeah, you know, I went to the show and then I went backstage. I was like, what do you mean you went backstage? Yeah. He goes, well, no one stopped you. You yeah. could just go there. So I wanted to go and say hi. And he said, I went backstage and I said, hey, Miles, you know, I'm Jim Marshall. That was a great performance. Um, uh, tell me, how come you use a green trumpet? And he said, Miles went, motherfucker, do I ask you why you use a black camera? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and, and it was just fantastic that, you know, like Jim was one of those who really lived it and he got really up close because he knew that he was going to get a good mm. picture. Yeah. Um, and, um, and then it just, you know, you'd have, um, and a lot of photographers also wanted to be in a band. But you know, in a lot of cases, I think the music photographers really have to understand music to know mm. what's coming next, to mm. understand mm. you know what the singer's going to do, what the drummer's going to do. So to to really get, uh, particularly in in live photography, yeah. I think a lot of those. I really like. We've never been able to do a book with him, but I really like Jerry Schatzberg. Oh, he, he did a lot of fashion. He did, yes. he, he did a lot of fashion. He did a lot of movies. He did a lot of music. Mm -hmm. And he, they all have a distinctive look and 
they're just all incredible. It's not like mm. his fashion stuff is great, his music stuff. Every mm. single genre that he photographed in was just, mm. it's just really, really good. Yeah. And there's not many people like that. No, I mean, you know, most photographers, mm. like, you know, Barry, for instance, you know, he had all this McQueen stuff and he had other movie stuff and uh, he worked at Columbia Pictures in Hollywood mm. in the late 50s. Mm. So he had all this sort of really quite interesting behind the scenes just as it's all starting to mm. fade a little bit. Uh, which he didn't publish for many years. Um, so most photographers known for their music have also shot other stuff. But, mm -hmm. you know, and then some just really, like Neil Preston, he's done, I don't know, half a dozen Olympics as well. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't know and, that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah. I mean, a huge amount of sports. Uh -huh. And for people's magazine. People are really, sports, I didn't know that. Sports, rock, yeah. yes, you know, also, photography. Yeah, you know. yes. but also... Um, uh, movie still, so he's done yeah. pretty much every Cameron Crowe movie. He's been mm -hmm. a stills photographer mm -hmm. and and others and TV shows, mm -hmm. um, and uh, you know. But he'll always be known for, you know, some key images of Zeppelin and mm -hmm. the Who and mm -hmm. and. Freddie but you Mercury. also always find that you know in everything you work, you know, like when you become famous for something, mm -hmm. or when people, it's typical that they resent the fact that that's what people right. know. You know. Right. You look at actors, for example, mm. with that is different, but you look at somebody like Anthony Perkins, who was a fantastic actor, but he was so good in Psycho yeah. mm -hmm. that it basically killed his career. Yeah. I mean, he was Norman Bates forever, yeah. you know. Yeah. And then you get people who do certain things and that's all people want to... And we have this with some photographers where you go and say, can we do that? He goes, don't mention the name of this right. band to me. And you think, they're great. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we all have that inclination. Yeah. Though. It's like, because we all want to think of ourselves as being multidimensional. Yeah. I love the story and, with know. Bernard Herrmann, you know, the guy who did the soundtrack yeah. to yes. Hitchcock. Yeah. He hated being a music composer, but he was one of the greatest music composers of all time. What I mean, did he want to be? <laughs> the first soundtrack he did was for Citizen Kane uh -huh. and his last soundtrack was Taxi Driver yeah. uh -huh. and he did a lot of Hitchcock yeah. he just wanted to he wanted to be a conductor oh wow but he never became a conductor the, the nearest he became to being a conductor was he was the conductor in the movie the man who knew too much. Uh -huh. Hitchcock got oh, him to conduct oh, the orchestra. Nice, nice. <laughs> that, might, that, might, that might have been an act of cruelty. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I think they hated each other towards oh, the end. Oh, boy. <laughs> act of cruelty. <laughs> but you recently, but you did the ultimate Led Zeppelin book. Yeah, I want to know a little bit. And that about is the ultimate book, right? You worked with the band um, to put this together, correct? Yeah, that was... Um, well, I worked with... Um, with Led Zeppelin on and the and Warner Rhino Music on all their reissue <coughs> packages, um, each album came in a deluxe box with a eighty or ninety page book that covered that period of mm -hmm. the album. The time of the album. And many years before that, when Tony had his poster gallery, he one of his customers was Jimmy Page. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you know when the idea for their 50th anniversary was coming and lots of people were planning books and I'd been contacted by a few and I said, I can't do it. And I mentioned it one day to Jimmy that there's all these books happening and, you know, he, he said, yeah, there's not anything we can do about that. So I said, well, why don't we do one ourselves? You know, and, and Jimmy An also had, official one. Right. had all um, 
all the real art press books and 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 really mm -hmm. like them. I said so it would be a book mm -hmm. like that, but on you, and mm -hmm. you could all be involved and and choose. And he said, you know, see what the others think. So we got called into a meeting, and we just laid out some of the previous books, you know, Cuba and mm. Billy Name and. Uh, and it's funny, you know. Like Robert Plant really liked the Baron Woolman Woodstock book. That was uh -huh. the one, you know, he picked it up and he was flicking through it and he goes, you know, I like this, the fact that you're, it's not focused on the band because I, one of the things he said was I really would like people to see what we experienced right. rather than uh -huh. just have photographs of us on stage. Mm, you know? yeah, interesting. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. So when they were flicking through the other books, which were not necessarily music related, mm -hmm. John Paul Jones really yeah. liked jazz festival. Yeah. You know? mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jimmy really liked Peace, the Peace book, and he likes the X-rated book mm. we did. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, and looking through that, they were saying, oh, we like this about this, we would like this, we would like mm, that. Nice. And, you know. and I think, you know, the, the, the most important thing was they really didn't need to do a book. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and so the idea that if they are going to do a book, they have to be 100% happy with it. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and it has their name on it. Right. Yeah. You know, and so with all the unofficial books, it, it's annoying, but it doesn't matter to them because they have no involvement with it. Mm -hmm. And um, so also we didn't have much time. Mm -hmm. I think from the day we sat with them, um, the th it was the three band members, myself and Tony and their business manager, um, <clears throat> and they gave us the green light. They Could, gave us the green light a couple of months later. Yeah. I mean, we sort of... Mm -hmm. They said yes, but it was not... Yeah. Uh, um, I think it, I think it was a maybe a week or two later where we got told... But we got a call saying, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. Yeah. But, ah. but we had to sort of start because <clears throat> the, the deadline... And also, it was a big, big job, 50 years. <coughs> and um, trying to unearth unseen material... Um, that hadn't been in any of the previous uh, books, books, which they would all approve. Yeah, uh -huh. and and so, but what was really good, um, you know, Jimmy gave us sort of complete access to all of his archive. Uh, Robert sent down what he had. They gave us the green light to go to the record company and go through there mm -hmm. everything they had, and we had some original artwork that the band still had, stuff that had never been mm -hmm. seen. Um, and the idea was not to show everything they'd done. And there's lots of books out there that tell you what they had for breakfast on Tuesday, right. 1972. We said this is going to be a visual um, representation of Led Zeppelin mm. um, as they see it. And the commentary will be not us saying, tell us what's happening in this picture, but what, what did it feel like, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm on stage at Madison Square Gardens and, yeah. you know, the month before you've been playing at a small club in Europe right. and, and just that whole thing. And every, almost everything they did was groundbreaking, uh -huh. from, you know, the pace at which they worked. And so the majority of the book actually focused on the earlier years for, for a number of reasons, but primarily because visually there was a lot of changes. Mm -hmm. You know, once it got to sort of 75 and 77 in the big world tours, the stage looked the same, the costumes were similar, the pictures are very similar. Uh -huh. So it made no sense, even though they were bigger in 77 than they were in 1970. Mm -hmm. But, you know, 
we'd have a picture from one night and Robert Plant's wearing a black shirt and the next night John Bonham is wearing that shirt. <laughs> and, you know, uh, sometimes they're really dressed up and other times they're not. Mm. And it, so it just, and, and also the venue, sometimes it's a big club, sometimes it was a tiny pub where they may have been booked Mm-hmm. months in advance mm-hmm. and then suddenly they got huge but they were still committed to the small venue and it's fantastic and so we showed the sort of you know the dynamics of the rise really. <coughs> and the pace at which they work because if you flick through it oh my god you know they've done all of this in this short space of time they were and, young as well we? yeah you know. well the, to me looking at the book I noticed that right away there's, there's a beautiful sense of pace like we're talking about there's like the early years I mean, it all goes in chronicle order, <coughs> but it is yeah. beautifully like set up to the grand Led Zeppelin. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know, think the, the bigness know, of Led Zeppelin later. You know, the the main thing for us was to to produce something that the band were happy with, and they were very involved all through it. Mm-hmm. And you know, we didn't have time to sort of figure out what the text would be. Otherwise, other than we knew we didn't want anyone else's voice except the band members. Mm. And so after we had. Um, the first draft, which... It was 12 months from the day we met them until the book was actually Whoa. in the shops. Yeah. Mm. That's pretty impressive, but you can see the book. It's 400 yeah. pages. And we were doing other yeah. books. Yeah. Yeah. And you're working with a lot of egos. So they were actually really... They were good about I'm, it. I must say the band were completely... Uh, they couldn't have been more helpful oh, nice. you know, with their time and suggestions. And, and pretty much every suggestion they made was a good one. Wow. You know? Wow. And uh, and then we said to but them, the decision we... that we made was to do the book mm-hmm. and then show it to them to edit whatever they don't because right. I think if we'd gone to them and said do you like this photo and oh yeah that would be a nightmare be at least yeah. and it's also mm-hmm. when you do something and people can actually see it they, it's it's much more easier to talk about it mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. You know. mm-hmm. so we made. Um, Sort of full-size digital dummy, so they yeah. had a hardback book each, just yeah. low res, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you know, printed, um, just so they could see the flow. And we said, if you're happy with the direction of it, then we'll nail it down. Yeah. And um, and once they could see that, then they saw what we were trying to do, and also that it wasn't just the same old pictures that you see everywhere. We included some of the famous pictures because you have to, and yeah. a, a important point of reference. But you know. We got crowd, you know, shots of the crowd from the stage or the mm-hmm. equipment mm-hmm. backstage, or mm-hmm. you know, you see they're traveling with two guys, you know, playing these stadiums. It's like, mm-hmm. it's nuts by today's standards, right. yeah. and, um, and so, and and explaining also in the text, you know, for instance, having the plane, having their own plane, wasn't an ego thing or being flash. It was literally they could play to more people more effectively. So instead of having to check out of a hotel at 10 in the morning, get drive to a airport, check in, wait. They could finish a show and fly back to their hotel. So, it was, so a they, very, it was a very logical reason why they... But also never been done before. Uh-huh. And it's, ah. you know, so that for every show they were in peak condition. It wasn't they're worn out from mm. having to get uh-huh. up at six or travel mm. overnight yeah, or anything yeah, like that. Yeah. Literally an hour after the show, they're back in their hotel. And um, so that sort of made sense, but never been really explained before. And yeah. so the, the text was formed by when we had the mm. final layouts. Um, we sat with each of them and just talked whilst looking at it. And the idea was not to 
tell us what's happening in a picture, mm-hmm. but just reflect on right. the, the period of time. And, mm-hmm. you know, Robert Plant saying it's the first time he'd been on a plane or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you wow. know, coming to America from right. the first time from from England, yeah. you know, post-war yeah. England to yeah. America, it was, you know, <laughs> and uh, so just hearing their descriptions uh-huh. of that and yeah. the music they listened to and the people they met. You also get into the graphic, the album graphics, quite heavily of each album cover. Yeah, we 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 were lucky enough to have alternate artwork uh-huh. or or mm. elements of each album cover and the story behind it and. Um, and and so yeah, that was good, and we found some stuff that had never been mm-hmm. uh, printed before, and um, like the illustration for the Swan Song logo, oh. they still have that the original. That artwork. that was their, their their own record label. Yeah, and and they had their own logo, Icarus, right. mm-hmm. and it's fantastic, and you see the original mm-hmm. drawing, and uh, so we had a lot of that, and they were very hand. Jimmy was very hands on with all the album cover artwork uh-huh. and the ideas, and and also. What we still wanted to do was maintain mm. a sort of famous Led Zeppelin mystery. Mm. So you don't want to know everything, but you know we, we will never know you'll everything. Never, <laughs> no, but you know everyone has a different perspective. So what was you know what was quite interesting was just seeing them all commenting on the same events, right. uh-huh. and there wasn't in, that there was no contradiction as such. But it was a very different, you know. So Robert would say I had to really focus on the crowd and you know, when I'm coming in and when I'm, mm-hmm. you know, when the others are soloing or stuff like that. So, you know, he had a different outlook on it. <laughs> he had a hard job. <laughs> he had a hard job. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, when, when John or, or Jimmy does their 30-minute guitar solo, <laughs> solo what, does, what does the lead singer do? Yeah. <laughs> and, but, you know, it was... <laughs> like um, a bathroom break. Several. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just, you know, and, and one of the things which I didn't think about till the book was done, so you know, it was just fantastic to mm. who better to tell you the story of Led Zeppelin than them, them. surviving yeah. band members, whatever, you know, some of the hardcore fans might think or disagree. Right. We'd get comments from people saying, you know, this didn't happen. Right. Mm. How would you know that? Yeah. You know, people are funny that way. You know, uh, was the thing you did when you did the Jimmy Page book years ago, there was the passport thing. Some guy. There was a, a picture of, um, the, uh, before the book came out, um, I got, I got a call and, um, from someone in the office saying like, you have to respond to this guy. This is really bad. Mm. And he had a list of about 30 errors. Bearing in mind the book had come out, so it's just what he'd heard mm-hmm. from reviews or, you know, and he said, uh, You always get those people. Yes, yeah, the they always things. exist. Your book states <laughs> that Jimmy Page was in Egypt in 1975. That didn't happen. Oh, no, really? <laughs> and, you know, and the way I was getting told to look, I was like, oh, my God, I've, we've made all these mistakes. This is terrible. Yeah. And I looked down and almost every comment was wrong. He said they didn't play this show. Uh-huh. They didn't play on that day. Uh-huh. I said, well, if you find, if you look beyond what it says on the poster, uh-huh. the last show was cancelled because of, you know, an illness. Uh-huh. And it was rescheduled for two days later. So they did play that day. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, uh, but the, the, the guy saying he was never in Egypt, I said, um, it's interesting you should say that because I have his passport 
with his entry stamp, his visa, and I have a picture of him standing in front of a pyramid. And the guy goes, okay, maybe I'm, you know, mistaken. And I said, you know, so I just said, we have to just ignore all of that. And, and also it's not about being, you know, what happened on this particular day exactly, mm-hmm. but it's more of the feeling and the vibe and the mood. But that's the same thing that we were talking about the other day, you know, the French New Wave book, mm-hmm. there is really nothing that I can say about Godard that hasn't been said before. Right. There's nothing I can say about Truffaut mm-hmm. that hasn't said, but, you know. Yeah. With Led Zeppelin, you could do a book that tells you the history of what they did at the Chateau Mormont and this, <laughs> but mm-hmm. you've read that a hundred times. Yeah. So it's a matter yeah. of showing, it's another way of telling yeah, another side of the story. Of the story. Yeah. Also, really, the idea was that it's mm-hmm. a celebration of... Um, of the band and the impact they had you know you look at any guitar band today mm. they're all trying to recreate either the sound or the look or right. the on stage pose or mm-hmm. and um it, you know it's you turn the radio on they're always on there you know it's right. huge and it's and so the idea was not to do the definitive history mm-hmm. because you'd need a book 10 times as big mm-hmm. and it and it still wouldn't be complete. And, yeah. and also, right. what's the point? The idea, I, you know, as a as a fan, you just want to know a bit more, mm-hmm. yeah. but not too much, right? Because where does it end? <laughs> it doesn't. It, it ends it's badly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the main thing was when the book came out, the band were all very happy with it, and and really that was, I mean, that's a tough thing with you know multiple. I, I would be worried because I know, I don't know Jimmy Page, but I know that he's sort of obsessed about Led Zeppelin history or his history. I don't think... Uh, is that true? Or is I that... don't know about being obsessed, but he's a, he's a real stickler for not saying the wrong thing or not giving out the wrong mm. information. Mm-hmm. And he, his memory is just incredible. I mean, mm. you know, he says... That photo is not from 1974 because I didn't have that jumper until 1975. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. yeah. so you c- and when I check, he'd be right. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so it's it's. I think more yeah. than anything, he wants the information that's mm-hmm. come, and also it was their book. So mm-hmm. I think more than anything, it was important to get the facts right. Right. Yeah. Whatever facts we had in there, you know, mm-hmm. more than anything. But they were all really surprisingly because yeah. i didn't really we'd never worked with them before right. you know? and you know you hear all these stories about and i find this with a lot of people you know if they want to work with you mm-hmm. they you work with them right yeah. and if they are difficult it doesn't matter what you do you're going to get hell forever mm-hmm. right yeah. mm-hmm. and now we joke it about it but I almost I'm tempted always when I mm. work with somebody I've never worked with before just to piss them off at the beginning mm. of the just to see what, what how they test. how they behave yeah. <laughs> before we carry yeah, on yeah 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 because you know you're going to piss them off at yeah. some point but actually, yeah. you know, with, with this it's part of yeah collaboration yeah sure but you know one of the mm. things that was also important was that the book also fitted in with what every other real art press book so yeah. if if we yes. were doing a book on led zeppelin how would we do it and that the, mm. the first presentation we made to them after like it was really what we wanted mm-hmm. based on what they'd said you know yeah. so it wasn't like you know we took all their um points on board and then this is what we came up with and, it, and 
it wasn't too dissimilar, mm-hmm. you know. So we everything that each band member said they'd like, we did, you know. Right. So every box was ticked without... Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything in there at all. You know, that was in there because someone insisted on it. Right. And, in fact, what the hardest part was actually cutting it down mm-hmm. because we did have so much stuff. So we had to... And, you know, this is Tony's particular talent brutal of a brutal area of expertise <laughs> you know sometimes you'd have three or four pictures and they're all fantastic no but, but it was easy one... it was easier for me to do it because dave was gathering all the photos he was putting them together and once yeah. in a while i would sit yeah we would put it up on screen we would just flick through it it was and, more fresh for you yeah. and i was more detached to it yeah. so i would say do we really need that photo and yeah. he would say it's we need to have it because of this and that. Mm-hmm. And then you would say, but do we need it? <laughs> you know? And so we'd go out. And sometimes we would need it, so we'd yeah. stay in. So, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, you know, but uh, another thing about putting any book together is, particularly a chronological one, is there's always a period where it's visually less interesting. It could be because it's the 80s or it's... You yeah. Know. Mm. So you have to also look at that and you need the book to be interesting to someone who who isn't interested right. you want to make them turn the next page and they go wow, wow, wow. Yeah. and so i think that was uh, an important part of it as well that it was very visual this wasn't mm. telling uh we we got far more words in it than we were expecting mm-hmm. which is why we we ended up rather than captioning on each mm-hmm. page we just had a whole section of text at the back so it would flow and um and yeah, the idea was it was just a visual. I mean, w- one other thing I really like mm-hmm. about the books we do, and it's not something I thought about <clears throat> initially, but it, now I do. <laughs> and it's, I like the fact that you can open up, I think, nearly all of our books anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can, there's, some, there's a story. Yeah. You know, you don't, it's not something you look at from the beginning to, to the end. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that has to do with the fact that I can't, I don't read very much, you know, uh-huh. I, I can't uh-huh. follow, a, I just can't, uh-huh. you know. Uh-huh. So I like being able to open something, uh-huh. get something out of it, mm. and then move, you know. It's uh, a very Joycean concept. You, know, you can read his book supposedly from any section. Yeah. <laughs> also, again, you know, it's me. I must buy this. Yeah. <laughs> James Joyce. If you don't like to read, definitely don't read James Joyce. It's not a place to start. <laughs> Look at his digital work. Yeah. That's a battle I always have with Christopher Freeling. He always comes in and goes, I've written 100,000 words. I go, Christopher, cut it down. Uh. <laughs> he goes, you're the only publisher I've ever worked with who says less words. Less words. <laughs> Every... Every book I've seen in a real art press is really, to me, so distinctive because it does get right into the culture of things. Yeah. There's so many books about pop culture mm. or about the subject matter, but a lot of it just ends up becoming surface because maybe the editor or publisher is surfacey or giving what the public wants. But I'm a very deep person. Yes, you yeah. are. <laughs> you're very, very deep. But yeah. also, very, very deep. Very deep. There are a lot, you know, the thing is, you know, and I've worked at other publishers and, you know, they'll have, you know, this week they're doing a cookery book and the same person will be doing the music book yeah. and they have a formula for each. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and again, publishers, record companies, m- movie companies, they all want another hit. Right. But they don't know what that is. Right. And their only reference is their last hit. So right. if their last hit was a cookery book, they would like their music book to mirror that. <laughs> yeah. It's really fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't work. Right. Rock you know, stars and cookery. Yeah. yeah. So, yes. so the idea of just doing books that you really like yeah. and hope that other people do. That's what I used know. to tell people when they used mm. to come into the gallery and they wanted to buy a poster. They would go, you know, 
which one of these shall I buy? Which one of these will go up in value? And I would say, if I knew that, I wouldn't sell it to you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Only exactly. buy what you like. And yeah. I, hate, I hate those people. Oh, oh my God. Oh, you have no idea. Right. No, I, I do know. We should do a podcast about yeah. the amount of people I threw out. No, it's just, you know, there's, there's two types of collectors. Collectors who, are the, who have know nothing about nothing. Mm. Yeah. Just like there's a financial thing or they just want to attach their name to somebody, some yeah. famous yeah. artist. Yeah. And then there are collectors. wallpaper. That's and, then there, and then there are collectors who are really, really into that subject matter. Mm -hmm. And they go crazy into oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And those are the great ones. Those, yeah. are, those are great collectors. The other ones should be called some. They shouldn't even call collectors. They should be called <laughs> animal work. There should but be a also separate store on, for on them. The, you know, the, 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 the sort of going deep into the culture of books. So I think what we try and do, oh, well, on all the movie books, Tony knows it inside out mm -hmm. anyway. Uh, and hopefully I do on the music books. And if we don't, we work with people who do. And I think that's really important because if you put a book out there and you have no idea of a subject or no interest, mm -hmm. it really comes across. Yeah. And you look, if you pick up any majority of Led Zeppelin books or the majority of movie books that aren't put together by, you know, some publisher have, oh, we have a writer who does our music books and he'll just research it, but yeah. he's not into it. And, right. and that yeah. makes a real difference, I think. You I know. think so too, especially yeah. when you're out trying to promote it. It's like, I mean, your passion is, is so palpable, you know, it's so clear how much Thank you. You, you, these books mean to you, yeah. you know, and that's infectious, you know, it's like listening to you talk about these books. <laughs> It's right. like I want all of them, you know. Well, well, you know, I think if you're not into we'll it, happily sell. Them. Yeah, I've already purchased. Some. <laughs> I think, like Tony was saying, I mean, you may as well get a regular job. Yeah. Because you know, like some of these, some books are really, really hard to do. Really, there's all sorts of challenges and complications. Yeah, sure. um, all books have challenges. I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter. What, it doesn't matter how easy right. it is. It doesn't matter how easy the person is. Yeah. Either in the production or something will go wrong there's it's just it's you just have to be yeah. and if you work with people who appreciate you and you appreciate them and they understand the mm. then it's 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 fine but when in the middle of that you also have egos and mm. nonsensical psychos you know shouting <laughs> at you and stuff yeah but also i've done it I've th done there's it. definitely a thing where uh people look at what we do and think they can do it so there, oh, yeah. there are certain uh, I won't name and shame, but there are several <laughs> publishers. And you look at a book and you go, that's really surprisingly good. And then we'll find out they've hired one of our designers. <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know. And, and it looks, you know. You know, and, uh, and, you know, the art of actually laying out a book and making it look good is not about design as such. No. It's sort of I the think the design, design is really, I started doing books with this guy called Graham Marsh. Mm -hmm. We still do books with him. Oh, he yeah. designed French New Wave. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, I started doing the first book I ever did. He approached me and said, "Do you want to?" He he had done those books, the cover art of Blue Note Records. And yes. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And I went to the launch of the second one because I used to go to Ray's Jazz Shop, and he mm -hmm. came up to me. He goes, "Do you want to do books?" I said, "I know nothing about books." He said, "I do." <laughs> so we did a book together. I got a publisher. We published them, and we used to do one a year. But yeah. to this day. Graham doesn't use a computer. Oh, interesting. So it's all old school. You know, he yeah. prints it, we print everything out, we get a sheet of paper, we stick it down, put it on the floor. <laughs> I remember doing that. We walk around, <laughs> and when we know what we want to do, then we bring someone in, and he sits with them, and he goes, you know, two mil from here, three uh -huh. mil from there. And, uh -huh. But then it's done, and you really, you know, we, you've started doing them like that now, and it really yeah. makes a huge difference, you oh, know. Interesting. Yeah. 
Well, like the Neil Preston book that we had. You know, if you'd walked into the, uh, you know, our, our office is a, a muse house in, in the centre of London. If you'd have walked in, you'd think there's some psycho mass murderer living there because there was pictures of rock stars everywhere. Because oh, wow. you know, there must have been about 600 pictures printed out. They were on the floor, they were in the kitchen, and we're just like moving them around. Yeah. Strings between them. And, uh, but, you know, it's the only, it, you know, it's because it's a physical thing, right? right? Rather yeah. than just looking at a screen and you flick by and, you know, um, you get a feel for it, and you know, and and you know, and again, it's Tony saying no, out, out, and it's just cutting mm-hmm. yeah. to make it. So the only thing in the book mm-hmm. is essential, yeah. right? And occasionally you might put in a few pictures that aren't fantastic, but they're part of a story. No, and so sometimes you, you put something in, and the photographer goes, "Don't put that photo in." And I go, "Why?" He goes, "I hate him." Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, but that has nothing to do yeah. with what yeah, we're doing yeah, here. Yeah, you know, right. it's like yeah. I think interesting. I put up a couple of people I hate. That's <laughs> yeah, that would be a great book. No, but, but that's that'll the thing. be a big book. <laughs> Very expensive. <laughs> this comes up a lot. Where you know, can you put you this in? You can't buy it either because I don't like it. <laughs> exactly. You know, sometimes they'll say, "Can you put this in for this reason or that reason?" And we'll have to say, "But that's not the reason to put it in the book." Right. It, it, it's got to be as good as. The next one, yeah, th- that has to be the reason, not because you're trying to, you know. Also, the most I find the most difficult part of doing a book is the beginning when you actually think about how am I going to structure this, uh-huh. how is it going to flow, how is it, gonna, and then when you, when that clicks, then when you're editing, mm. it sort of dictates right. itself. Yeah, yeah. As long as you stick with the structure that you right. come up with, you uh-huh. know, it sort of edits itself and with like a book of one photographer's work you know there could be lots of different Mm -hmm. themes but you don't necessarily want to have you know with with neil preston again you know he's there's not anyone he hasn't photographed from sinatra to you name Mm -hmm. it every but it couldn't just be a random pile of pictures of or a who's who or a one of the look how many one of the most pleasurable books we've done I think and we worked on it together was the 50th anniversary Woodstock oh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, we did this book with um, Baron. Baron Woolman mm-hmm. five years ago six years ago and the editor and the designer Dagan contacted Michael mm-hmm. Lang and he did a forward to the book mm-hmm. and he was so gracious you know he never asked us for money he would turn up to book signings he mm-hmm. would you know nice. really I mean I can't tell you what a nice he's almost not human you know it's like <laughs> and i got this call i think it was october of the year before late i was actually in la you know i went to my room plugged my phone and there's a message from michael going hey man it's the woodstock 50th anniversary next year do you want to do the book let me know <laughs> I love it. so i rang him up i said michael of course i'd like to do yeah. it it's okay. Um, maybe we could just do it with Henry's photos. I said, you know, I'm happy to do that, but there's also so many other great photographers. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can just do a combination of them. Yeah, sure. That's a great idea. Right. <laughs> so I said, how are we going to do? You know, he was going. Just do it. Yeah. And <laughs> there's, there's a million Woodstock books out there. And there's already. a million Woodstock. Uh-huh. So I would do. We would do layouts. You know, I'd go and sit mm-hmm. with him. I go, Michael. I want to do it this way and that way. Are you happy with this? He goes. Do it whatever way you want. <laughs> <laughs> and I kept on coming back and saying, 
the penny is going to drop at some point. <laughs> but he was just... Uh, and what he would do is he would sit down. We would go through it and he would suddenly go, what about... There was some... What was that village thing oh, yeah, yeah, he mentioned to us? There was some area in Woodstock where it was like mm -hmm. an information center and uh -huh. people were handing out propaganda posters and mm -hmm. it was called something. And he said, what about that? And I said, what are you talking about? Uh -huh. And he mentioned it to me. And when he did, I went back and I, everything made sense. Yeah. And then he did the text and uh -huh. everything. But it was just... Well, and one of, one of his quotes is, when you want to... When you're doing things, hire people that you like whatever and then leave them alone that's his ah, hmm, that's good motto which i didn't know until i finished the book but, <laughs> yeah and it was yeah. because he was like that and because it was so important it was really important to both of us mm -hmm. to really make sure that we do something that special special yeah. it's and, woodstock you know, you know. and it's woodstock <laughs> yeah. and also you know just before the book came out there was all these problems where the concert was going to get cancelled not mm -hmm. cancelled and he just said guys i don't want to do any interviews Mm -hmm. Because everyone is going to talk to me about the anniversary. Concert. The anniversary. Right. So we lost a lot of press. We lost mm -hmm. a lot of mm -hmm. momentum and stuff. But again, it did okay. The book did well, mm -hmm. and I'm proud of it. You know, yeah. it's, it's well, like it's still out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. And yeah. It, you know, the, you know, that's going to go on and on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. But also that. So the way that was sort of structured was doing it rather than most of the books or articles are always chronological and this mm. happened or they focus on, on one what bit. day and yeah and so actually the the performance section of the book is probably the smallest so it's definitely have, the smallest we have like a big section of the book and henry diltz was there two weeks before mm -hmm. so you just see this empty field and some logs and then the yeah. start of the stage and the yeah. stuff and henry was a joy henry was fantastic mm. and um sure man <laughs> <laughs> can i have a copy but we did all these sections so there's that there's the crap people arriving mm -hmm. there's the rain there was the sort of drug section mm -hmm. there was the movie and so it was done in sections like that mm -hmm. and all from the time and you know there was a lot of life magazine photographers there uh, a lot of great photographers were there and we just picked the best of the best mm -hmm. and again some of the pictures are familiar mm -hmm. but we had a, a hell of a lot that went and michael gave us he had documents and papers and tell him the John Lennon. Oh, yeah. that's fucking fantastic. <laughs> There's a letter there from Apple, the uh -huh. music. Beatles Apple. Beatles Apple, saying that um, they're happy for, I don't remember the exact word. Mr. and Mrs. Lennon. Mr. and Mrs. Lennon are happy to come. Um, they are, uh, they would like a cap, a, whatever they would like to stay somewhere and then there was james taylor and there was billy other preston, billy preston and every other label yeah. Yeah. yeah pretty much i found it i said michael he said where do you find that <laughs> <laughs> i said it was on your hard drive oh, wow. and then the the caption on that is my favorite mm -hmm. favorite caption that i've ever in any book it says this letter was sent to our woodstock office but unfortunately, I did not see it till 40 years later. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but he actually wow. explained it to me. He said, you know, when they changed yeah. venues, uh -huh. uh, it was the letter had come during that right. period. So it just got lost in everything. Oh, and it literally wow. 40 years later, he dug it out. Yeah. Wow. But, you know, yeah, and sometimes he would go to me, where do you find that? I go, Michael, it was on the hard oh, drive. Yeah. You um, yeah. And then we got the call. So we'd done the layouts and we're sending it back to him for the text and we got a message back 
and then we didn't hear anything for a while and then I think Tony said you know Michael did you did you get the layouts he said yeah did you like them yeah they're great said, I, I just have one question Tony's like what he goes who's writing the text <laughs> you are it's your book oh okay yeah yeah give me a week <laughs> no he didn't ask his assistant said yeah. who's doing the text yeah. it was right in the middle of yeah, yeah, yeah. hell yeah. And Michael had said, I'll write something. So I said, she said, who's doing the text? <laughs> I said, Michael. And she said, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> but he did, and he wrote something about each section. And it was, yeah. you know, again, it's whatever you may have read yeah. about Woodstock, it's, he did it, and it was his thing. And he right. was, you know, a very gracious acknowledging really everyone. a remarkable human. I have Michael, Michael Lang. Michael yeah. Lang, yes. yes. My favourite thing, we had a, a great launch of the book at Rizzoli in New mm. York uh -huh. and um, yeah, Michael doesn't say too much mm -hmm. you know. <laughs> and um, Henry so I said to Henry you know would you come up and you know you and Mike can talk um, on stage he's like sure 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 come up and I think it was a few days before the cutoff point mm -hmm. of whether the festival could go ahead physically you know and we're having dinner afterwards and <laughs> I was on one table with Henry and a few friends and Tony and Michael and Amanda were on the next table and halfway through dinner you know the other people were talking Michael wasn't talking about festival tour neither was Henry he's so cool and <laughs> you know but people go oh you know it's terrible and Henry just sort of leaned over and he went hey Mike why don't we do the 50th next year <laughs> and, and Michael just went yeah, <laughs> you know, and it just was a perfect example of the two of them. That you know, it, and it, but it was great. It was just you know, Michael mm. wanted to very much just put across the idea of what Woodstock meant, not what other people meant mm. or thought it should mean. Also, Michael is so low key. You know, mm. I I have problems reading, so I just flick through his biography. Yeah. But you know, and then I found out he produced Bottle Rocket. Wes Anderson's first movie. Oh, did he? Oh, Can wow. you believe that? I mean, no. it's just like, huh. I saw it, I liked it. I, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's like he doesn't talk about yeah, it, you yeah. know? Uh -huh. and, and, you know, and also that's true with a lot of the photographers we meet or the mm -hmm. art directors or, you know, a lot of them, you know, it's like pulling teeth trying to find out what they've done. Yeah. 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 And then when you do, you're like, I can't. And maybe it wasn't so important to them, right? You know, and it's just—I just find it great meeting, yeah. hearing these sort of stories. Like, maybe it's a bit nerdy, but you just hear some great mm. tales, and yeah. you know, or you look at pictures and what was going on there, and you know, sometimes it's—you know—you'll have an amazingly famous, iconic, mm -hmm. world famous picture. What's the story? I can't remember. <laughs> you know, or you'll see a, a fairly sort of innocent picture and what's going on. Well, you know, we just got busted and this and you know, this is a fantastic tale behind it. And it's, you, know. you had a, uh, for your Led Zeppelin book, you had a press reception, correct? Mm -hmm. With Jimmy Page and Robert Plant and John and Robert Paul Jones. Plant and Robert was on Robert tour. Robert was on tour. I don't know why John Paul John Jones was there, but, but Jimmy was there with all of his family mm -hmm. and the record company was there. It was at the National Portrait Gallery. And the, the BBC was there, I heard. The BBC were there for a while. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I should. I don't know if I. Well, yeah, go on. We're not on the yes, BBC. Yeah, we're not. <laughs> no, well, Let's see if the BBC will ban this. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, the, the, we had some connections. <laughs> You've speaking to Jane. <laughs> we had some connections with the Portrait Gallery, which is not 
you know, the easiest place to get, you know, obviously everyone who's ever taken a picture mm -hmm. or painted a painting right. wants to be there. But mm -hmm. anyway, they, they kindly allowed us to use the main hall. And that was another deadline we had because mm -hmm. there was only one night in October that was free. Mm -hmm. And they gave it to us. So we had to make sure the book was done mm -hmm. for that as well as the, I think it was late September, I can't remember. But, mm -hmm. um, so we were working towards that and they agreed to give us the space and then normally the main hall of the portrait gallery is just plain white and there's a ticket counter and then you go through to all the exhibitions but for the first time ever after we were confirmed there for whatever bizarre reason they chose to do a major exhibition of art inspired by michael jackson Interesting. So, hmm. That's okay. that's yeah. That's you're, a, you're, that's you're, a you're polite word. Yeah. But you know, there was like it was disgusting. It, it, it wasn't. It, yeah, it, it was interesting. Yeah. But so the white walls had been painted red and had you know oh, the geez. floors had oh, no. vinyl footsteps saying moon, moon walk this way oh, and every surface was covered with something relating to Michael Jackson. Oh my! Glitter. And, Glitter yeah. and you know and so I was like, okay, we're gonna have to cover it. So basically, you they don't close out. Not, so mm -hmm. from six o'clock they close. We had from six o'clock to seven o'clock mm -hmm. to cover all this up and install our own thing and the bar and lights and the mm -hmm. stage. It was unbelievable. And we've got we've got time lapse footage of it, which mm -hmm. is just you know <laughs> me standing in the middle, you know, being and and the producer said no here's an earpiece and um you know if there's a problem i said you know what i don't want the earpiece if there's a problem solve it you know but you know I, you know and there was a lot riding on this we're a small company this is a big event this is a big book and you know and jimmy was coming I mean, jimmy was, was like coming jimmy you know it's his book and yeah. it's you know yeah, and and um and we got know, christopher frailing to introduce so, the whole yeah, evening sir christopher sir christopher, sir christopher, christopher frailing yes and and so it's a two-hour event we had it for two hours and so the place was covered and there was an army of maybe 150 workers waiting outside the back doors of the museum as soon as it closed they came in and it was it was a fantastic operation and we had rory in the office had made this amazing video that would just play on a loop that was on one wall and we had a giant maybe 60 foot Led Zeppelin logo built mm -hmm. just fit in the door. We had the artwork from the third album, the, the carpet said Led Zeppelin outside. Led Zeppelin mm -hmm. carpet. Somebody nice. stole it. Somebody oh, stole it. Wow. So we had, you know, all of this stuff, and you know, a lot of press wanted to come, but we quickly realised that if if everyone even spent two minutes asking Jimmy a question, mm -hmm. the night would be gone, and it wasn't really meant to be a press night. It was meant to be a sort of celebration of this book mm -hmm. and Led Zeppelin's 50th anniversary. And so I thought, but and we, also we don't like to push. You know, I think one of the reasons probably that they did it was because we don't constantly push them. You know, can you do right. this? Can you do that? Yeah. yeah. Um, yes. We said, you know, if you want to push or do interviews, that's great. And if you don't, we're not going to mm -hmm. ask you. Or we'll. We asked for a few. You know when we had big requests, you mm -hmm. know, but outside of that we didn't. And um, so we asked Jimmy if he'd be okay with doing a couple of interviews, one for CBS mm -hmm. and one for the BBC. And he said, "Sure." I said, "We'll just keep it five minutes, quick. You know, mm -hmm. a few sound bites, whatever." And uh, and I knew the crew from CBS. Mm -hmm. so I could sort of joke with him. I was like, "You know, don't ask any silly questions. Not when are you reforming or any of the." Mm -hmm. 
just don't ask anything you can Google. You know, right. you know just this is your moment. To I said, moment. ask a good question. Yeah, you, yeah. you really will get a good answer. You know, and ask yeah. about the re why we're here and the animals. Yeah. He is interesting, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, no, he's fantastic. And yeah. I said, you know, if you ask him a good question, he will give you a great answer. Mm -hmm. And um, <laughs> so we had the Victorian <laughs> Gallery upstairs. Mm -hmm. And we had one each, you know, one giant room with all these masterpieces up there. It looked incredible, and they had two camera, two mm -hmm. cameras, all lights. It was amazing. And um, there was going to be speeches, and um, Christopher was introducing mm -hmm. them, and then Jimmy, Tony spoke, and Jimmy spoke. We we, we deliberately kept all of that mm -hmm. side of it short so that everyone could just enjoy the night and and that. And um, and uh, Lisa, our publicist came up to me and said, oh, I'm having a bit of trouble with the BBC. Mm. So well, I said, well, the journalist who was their cultural correspondent mm -hmm. um, had agreed. We said, you know, we'd like to do an interview with Jimmy Page about Led Zeppelin's 50th anniversary at the National Portrait Gallery mm -hmm. and the release of a new book. You don't have to flick through the book and, mm -hmm. you know, it's not a fluff piece, but that's the reason we're here. So just keep it mm -hmm. to Led ask, Zeppelin. Don't ask him, you know, are they going to perform yeah. again you know right yeah. and they said no 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 it's a no 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 love no, no mm. absolutely no problem so i thought and the pressure of the whole year was mm. suddenly on this night i thought we can't have the one interview that's been done be a bad one be an annoying one right. i want the whole thing to be good and and the, the experience of working with us and real art mm. press and everything to be a memorable one mm. It and was. it was <laughs> so the event was going really well so i was thinking oh god i think maybe like cbs should go first you know because you know i said you know fuck it let's just cancel it you know and lisa said well you know go and talk to the guy see if you know so i go into the room and this guy's standing there like this you know mm. straight out straight out uh -huh. you know that this and so i said uh and all the crew were all set up and ready to go, about 10 of them. I said, uh, who, who's in charge here? And he said, who are you? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I said, no, never mind who I am. I said, I understand you have some problems with... The parameters. You know, sticking to the simple topic. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can ask whatever I like. Oh, God. I said... No, but he also said what he wanted to ask. Yeah, I said, was... what's so important? You know, mm -hmm. the story here is one of the biggest bands in the world, British band, the National Portrait Gallery celebrating 50 years, which you've agreed to discuss. He said, our viewers would be interested in Mr. Page's views on Brexit. <laughs> I said, and... And and a you know a, another issue, but not not nothing. But that was the main thing he wanted. And bearing in mind this was a two-minute segment. Right. Right. He also wanted to speak about the dispute with Robbie Williams. Ah, yeah, uh, yeah. Like next door like... <laughs> And I said, really? Uh... And he went, yeah. I said, tell you what, get the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> and I just wanted to cry. I just yeah. I was just like, could you not just ask yeah. one of the most famous musicians on the planet a few questions yeah. about and his one career. of the only two people that we'd allow yeah. to interview yeah. Yeah. yeah and it was a very arrogant you know mm -hmm. and i i just like, <laughs> what and i couldn't yeah. I, I could i was shaking i couldn't talk, yeah. so I, I went out and the producer from cbs was there he went did you just tell the bbc to fuck off <laughs> <laughs> i said yeah so 
Make sure Anchor Boy sticks to the <laughs> sticks to the ring. Um, and it was on the, on the, on the uh, Oh yeah, and then, uh, and then um, I thought, oh my god, I should have, you know, I don't want this to have any f- yeah. negative fallout for anyone. I don't care about me personally, but I don't want any. So I go downstairs and it's a separate area in the room, and and the producer of the event, she's got a rare piece. And I was like, you know, it's all going well. She went, yeah. She went, good work upstairs. <laughs> I went, what do you mean? She went. Uh, I just heard it from security. Uh, Dave just called the BBC a cunt. Stand by. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then you called me. You said I just threw the BBC out. I said, okay, good. Yeah. The guy, but then he tried to come into the main room. You know, this guy, and he was like this just before the speeches. You know, and I said, you know, I went out. I said, and you don't know who I am. I'm just yeah. this little angry dwarf. You know. <laughs> I said, the angry Irishman. Yeah. I said, you know, I thought, you know, we'd asked you to leave. <laughs> Are you telling me you're throwing the BBC out of the National Gallery of England? I said, no, I'm asking you to leave because you have no reason to be here. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the security guards was there. And I said, could you escort this gentleman? And, oh, I love it. and then I was told they set up outside. Mm. I said, what are you going to do? Shout what do you think about Brexit? You know, <laughs> and the thing was, it's like, you know, it's just such a waste of, of yeah. time for everyone. But then, as a result, um, uh, you know, and I, uh, so after the speeches, we went upstairs and CBS did a fantastic... It went on for about 15 minutes. Because he you took know. the BBC time. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but it was just, you know... Uh-huh. And and uh, it and it was great because it, it was on the CBS. Uh, Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, and uh, you know, I I went into the room for a little bit of it, but I said to the producer, you know, I'm, you know, look, I said, how's it going? He said, really well. I said, any stupid questions? He said, no. I said, okay, let's wrap it up then. And uh, and we, you know, they did, and then we watched it. It went out about a week later, and right at the uh, Charlie Degata, uh was doing the thing and at the end is real cheeky he sort of looks up and it's like the last question he went I've seen what happens when people say things they shouldn't <laughs> <laughs> but it was you know it was really uh it was it was I mean it you know afterwards you know it was it was fine but I don't know but you know the night was a huge success and yeah. and again you know it's like there's four of us in the office right and we've Five now. Five now. Congratulations. And, um, <laughs> and uh, we've expanded. And, um, and you know, we managed to, for, from the body of where mm. all the books leading up to that, mm-hmm. really, you, you know, it's because of all those other books right. that if we had 10 rock books, mm. they would have run a mile. Right. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it just fitted mm. for, you know, their... Um, They're part of popular culture. Right. Yeah. And... Yeah. and uh, and I don't know if we'll ever do a book quite like that again. But I, I, I'm quite happy though. It's it's really is a sort mm. of unique book on any band. I think you know that Absolutely. mix of of uh, also the fact pictures. that they'd never done a book before. Mm. You know there was all yeah. this. Yeah, it was the first well, time they. Your you know, books are all unique. 
Thank you. I mean, there's nothing, you know, that's one thing about your president. I mean, they all stand out, yeah. and, they, and they stand out in a great way. You used to say that from day one. <laughs> it's it's August. When he, yeah. he, he, you know, I, I really, I'll never hat. forget that call you made 10 years ago, <laughs> saying, can I buy some Bill Gold books for Book Soup? And I thought, who is this guy? <laughs> great! I wish there was 10 of him. And it was at the time when... Mm -hmm. um, Tashin had mm. done that big taxi driver book. Yeah. And I Googled you mm -hmm. and you had this video where you had unboxed it and you were talking about it. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, I hope he does one of those on Bill Gold. Oh, wow. <laughs> this guy is important. <laughs> Ten years later. <laughs> He's a taste maker for sure. <laughs> well, uh, that book's actually coming out again this year. Isn't it? Yeah, we're doing a trade edition of that. Oh, well, right. It's oh, our 10th fantastic. anniversary. It was our first book. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, it's it's why we started. So. Yeah, it's like a circle. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. I love it. Now um, we do it properly. We have distribution. Yes. You don't have to rely on Tosh. No, no but he's, <laughs> still, he, he's still part of it somehow. <laughs> you know, he's, he's always Tosh is always pops up. He does. He's in your beat book, right? Were that's, you surprised when you saw him as a child? I, I didn't know. I no, just that's so funny. you know that was a that was a book. You know, I was working with Berklin's at Berklin's archive, and his widow is one of the loveliest, Elena. She's just she lets me do what I want, which uh -huh. is, a, and we were going to do a big book on Bert. Mm -hmm. And then we went in and we saw all these photos of Cuba. So we decided to do Cuba first. She goes, oh, yeah, that's fine. Amazing book, by the way. And then I was there and I f had, saw this photo, color photo of this woman on a swing. And it was in a loft. It was in color. And it looked like a scene from Mad Men. Mm. And I said to Elena, I said, do you have any more? You know, and Bert's old assistant was there. Mm -hmm. And she brought out this box, you know. There was like 500 color transparencies of the beat generation unseen. Wow. And I don't read, you know, I've never read it. I've never read On the Road, I've, uh -huh. but I've always been obsessed with it. you heard about it. Yes. I've definitely heard. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I have several versions of it. <laughs> You're very cool. <laughs> no, I buy them and I like, yeah. you know, I like the look of it. Yeah. The, you know, I associated yeah. with it, but n not for the reasons. Right. But when I saw this, I just thought, wow look at all this you know you can actually see what color mm -hmm. what color coats they were wearing yeah. and some of them are so good they look made up yeah uh -huh. mm -hmm. and then it was separated into east coast and west coast mm -hmm. uh -huh. and when i started going through the west coast black and white i saw this and with that particular role there were no um what do you call it there was no captions right uh -huh. and then i thought that guy's wallace berman Mm. Uh, so I sent the scan to, yeah, <clears throat> I sent the scan to Tosh. I yeah. said, is that your dad in the uh, background? Uh -huh. He said, that's my dad in the background. The woman with her back towards you is my mother and the kid is me. <laughs> <laughs> so you're in one of our books, Tosh. Yeah. Unfortunately, not on the cover, but that's... <laughs> <laughs> we'll be that so we made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> well, just looking at your present health, the great... Well, yeah, you handle subject matter. I would love if you do a book on my life. There's like, like, like Tosh, 60 oh. anniversary or something. We can have it done by next week. Yeah. Sounds great. I'll, I'll do the introduction. <laughs> anyway, uh, we should wrap this up. I think this is such a really wonderful Oh, I know. You guys are time. fantastic. It was I so could do, interesting. I could do at least two hours in each book. I know, really, we could. Well, yeah, every better. time we come to LA. Well, we'll have you back for sure. Yeah. yeah. We'll get, we could focus. And we did like a little Zeppelin, but I could do yeah, like in depth. Yeah. 
each book every time. <laughs> oh, definitely. What should we do next year? We'll, we'll figure something out. Yeah. yeah. Please what? Oh, my God. Yeah. Yes, I've seen pictures of that. Yes. That's going to be a great book. Which yes. book is this? Uh, it's a book by a photographer who died about five, Magnum photographer called Leonard Freed. Mm-hmm. And in 1972, he was hired by the Sunday Times magazine to photograph the NYPD. Oh. So he rode around with them for uh-huh. a month. Oh, seventy two, that must have been interesting. Yeah, and then they they published I think eight photos. Uh-huh. And then he became very interested in the police. So in seventy four he rode around for another month. Oh, in wow. seventy six he rode again and in seventy eight or seventy nine he did it again. So there oh, was wow. five hundred contact sheets. In nineteen eighty or nineteen seventy nine, when he was alive, they published a small book on police work. It's mm. hundred and twenty pages. Mm-hmm. It's terribly printed, it's mm. terribly bound, but it's mm. still, you know, you can't find it now for less than five hundred bucks. Wow. Mm-hmm. And her widow let us go through everything. So we're doing a big book with I'm um, uh, publishing. We went through the contact sheets and one interesting thing about him was you know, like Dave says, you know, you would look at a lot of contact sheets and photographers always miss things. Yeah. yeah. But after going through about a hundred of them, I realized every killer photo he had marked. Mm. And there were other photos of the same setup, but the ones that he had marked with three colors uh-huh. were really killer. Uh-huh. So we just focused on those. But a lot of those, even though they were marked, they'd never been printed or mm-hmm. seen, you know. Uh, and I managed to clear the rights for, uh, of the forward, which was by Studs Terkel. So oh, we have nice. that in there. Uh-huh. It's a really, I mean, beautiful is the wrong word to right. use because there's a lot of dead bodies yeah. and beautiful dead yeah. bodies. But, but it is, sometimes you look at a picture and you're like, wow, that's oh, amazing. Like what is it? And you go, oh yeah, my God, yeah. it's a, you know, it's yeah, a but he also, up he also, <laughs> um, photographed all aspects of police work so you see them helping nurses in hospitals you see them beating uh-huh. up people you see them at home at christmas with their families it's it's really everything yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh. nice so well, that'll be fantastic we're looking forward to it gentlemen thank you thank, thank you thank you both yes thank you thank you and uh we will see you yes so uh we did have a little bit of rescheduling in our uh, book music uh, podcast so next episode will be the william burroughs book william burroughs book yes mm. and uh, you can get all the details on our website at bookmusic.com yes b-o-o-k yes dot com. m-u-s-i-k as it should be as it should be <laughs> goodbye everyone. thank you bye-bye <laughs>